You're listening to the Trinity Ministries podcast. For more information and to support our ministry, go to www.trinityhudson.org. I, I love this day, not just because I love being a dad and it was, it's one of the most honoring roles that God is, has uh, given me, but um, I love this day not because I get to sit around and have my family serve me, which usually doesn't happen the way I want, um, or that I get to watch the NBA final game or golf tournaments, but I, I'm amazed. I, I love this day, Father's Day, uh, because of the amazing role that God has created in the family called the Father, and just to think about what it takes to be a dad. Take what it takes to be a father. It takes protecting and providing for our families. It takes loving our wives over and above everything else as a model for our kids of stability and strength. It takes creating an environment in our homes in which our kids and spouse can thrive and learn and grow in Christ. And it takes emulating the kind of strength that isn't determined by the, the, how far you can hit a golf ball or the amount of weights you can lift but it's a, determined by the kind of strength you find in Christ. And, and so I think about this day as the perfect, di- perfect day to start our series um, because the heartbeat of our series is so counterintuitive to how the world thinks and, and so counterintuitive, so countercultural, yet so powerful that if over the next three weeks you open up your heart and just say, God, teach me, give me insight into not only your word, but how that then filters into my life, I believe that God wants to teach us that as we trust and seek God, that we learn peace and hope and stability in a whole new way. So as Sherry mentioned, the title of the series is called Strength Along the Way, because truthfully, for the Christian, for the Christ follower, and even if you're here and you're, not, you're listening on, on our podcast and you're not even a Christ follower, you don't, you know, you don't get, you're here for, at church because you know, it's Father's Day and you're promised a steak dinner or something afterwards, um, this is true for you as well, for everybody. Life gets difficult. Amen, let's pray. You know, life gets difficult, especially when you're facing situations where you have to make certain decisions that you know, especially dads, you have to make a decision for your family that could change the trajectory of not just your history, but the history to come. Many of you, if you've looked back into your histories, you've seen your dads or your families make decisions that change the course, the directional course, whether it's a financial decision that set you up on a path of being secure, or maybe it's way, way back when great-great-great-grandfather decided to move his family from Poland to the United, this thing called the United States. But the question then we're going to answer in this series or help us answer and see what God has to say uh, is really this question. What do you do when you need strength to do hard things? What do you do when you need strength to do hard things? When, you said, when you're suddenly let go at work or you're fa- facing a health crisis or you have to step out of your comfort zone to have that conversation, you know, to, to conquer that habit, to uh, make that move, what does strength look like? from God's perspective. So this series, we're going to be taking a look in the Old Testament at three people, two of which you're probably not very familiar with, one of which I know you are. The third week, we're going to look at Samson and his strength. Next week, we're going to look at Abigail and how God worked through Abigail. Today, we're going to look at this guy named Gideon. Um, But before we get into the story, there's there's a true or false question that I need you to answer for yourselves or that we'll answer here. 
that sets up our story today and gives you a perspective as, as we move into the story. And it's a true and false. True or false? Now, don't answer. God won't give you more than you can handle. Don't answer. Just think about that for yourself. True or false? God won't give you more. Or maybe I could say it this way. God won't give you more or God won't allow it more in your life than you can handle. You know the answer? The answer is false. Right. The derivative of this is from a different verse where we think God, that we get this verse from. The actual verse that we, we get this phrase from oftentimes that, oh, God won't give you more than you can handle that you hear. It's actually God won't let you be tempted beyond what you uh, can handle, and he always provides a way out of temptation. So there's kind of a, a confusing thing here, but you have to realize that God won't give you more than you can handle. I mean, think about our country, even if our world, but just the United States within the last week and the tragedies that happen one on top of the other, especially in Florida. God won't give you more than you can handle. Ask the parents of the assassinated singer. Ask the friend of a massacred partygoer in Orlando. Ask the dad of a two-year-old child playing by the side of the water at Disney. This past week was a crazy week, if you think about it. I wrote this on my blog. Tragedies, this life is full of them. You may be in one this moment. You could be at the end of your proverbial rope. You might be asking yourself if the struggle, the pain, the loneliness, or the guilt will ever pass, or if it's worth the hardship. You see, the cry of the human heart to an almighty God is for relief. It's for peace. God has given you or allowed more than you can handle. Yet as macabre as it may seem, it may be exactly where God wants you, low, destitute, unable to withstand another breath without first breathing his. When life carries you to places such as these, and get this, God whispers, my grace is sufficient for you. Why? Because my power is made perfect in your weakness. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that verse or thought of that verse or, yeah. It's at the lowest when God brings you to the highest. He's your anchor, your foundation, your guide, your peace. God will give you or he will allow more than you can handle because it's in your surrender that God gives you victory. And it's so, again, counterintuitive what we see in the world. In the world, we see the, the person who's strong and, and mighty. That's the one who's going to succeed. They can handle it all. And oftentimes, God has to prove them wrong. So that gets us into our verse today. We're going to be in the book of, uh, Old Testament book of Judges. And the story of Gideon is just fascinating. Um, his story spans basically Judges 6 uh, through uh, Judges 8. We're going to be looking specifically at verse, uh, starting in chapter 7. Um, but Gideon is an amazing picture of how God can use something very small to overthrow something very, very big in your life. So leading up into our story in, in Genesis 6, I mean in uh, Judges 6, God, God is asking Gideon to do a couple of little battles. And before Gideon dives in and says, yeah, I'm going to do these battles. He asked God for a sign. Now, I'm not sure if that's always a good thing, but he asked God for a sign. And one of the signs you may be familiar with, he lays out this fleece, which is a, an animal skin, and God is asking him to take over this, this little area. Lays out a fleece, and he prays to God, and he said, okay, God, if, if I'm hearing you right, 
if it's not just the pizza that I had last night, or I'm just really tired, so I'm hearing voices in my head, if this is really you, I'm laying out this fleece, and when I wake up in the morning, I, if, if it's a yes, if this is you, I want you to have the fleece covered with the morning dew and the rest of the ground around it totally dry. Gideon's like, yeah, Gideon's, yeah, that's what I want. He goes to bed, and God's like, all right, poof. I don't, that's magic. I don't, poof. I don't know, I don't know what he does, he does, but he wakes up in the morning, and Gideon finds the fleece is soaking wet, and the ground is dry. You think that'd be enough, but Gideon goes, okay, now flip it around. I want the fleece to be dry and the ground to be soaking wet. Try that, God. God's like, you got it. Next morning, Gideon wakes up. The ground is totally soaked. The fleece is dry. And God, Gideon takes that as a sign that he's moving forward and he goes and defeats this little area. So in that, God, Gideon is very skittish and hesitant. In fact, in, Je- in Judges 6, I won't have these verses up, um, but Judges 6, God turns to Gideon and says, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Midianites were a massive army back then, 135,000 fighting men. They were taking over the whole area and they were enslaving the Israelites. Um, so God says, go in your strength. And then Gideon, get this, Gideon, this tells you the kind of personality or who this guy is. Gideon says, um, raises his hand, he says, pardon me, Lord. Literally, that's, that's the Hebrew. Pardon me, excuse me, how can I save Israel? My clan, Gideon's clan, is the weakest, and I am the least in my family. And the Lord answered, I will be with you, I, and, I, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. God is always with you, no matter what battle you're facing right now, no matter what battle you're going to be moving into this week, next month, next year, God is always with you. Now, if you were Gideon, pretend you're Gideon, and God is telling you that you're going to take over this massive army, at this point, the the biggest army Gideon uh, could muster is 32,000 men. Gideon's probably thinking, okay, if God's going to have me take over this 135,000 men, he's going to double, at least triple, or, or maybe even triple the, the people that I have. But instead, God does something pretty crazy. So he, that takes us to the Genesis 7, starting at verse 1. It says this, so Jeroboam, which is actually, that's Gideon's real name. Um, uh, so Gideon and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian, remember the armies, 135,000, were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Moray. And I like to have pictures if there's a real, if, to show that it's a real place. So this is the actual mountain and then the valley below uh, in the Moray area. So imagine 135,000 uh, uh, warriors in that valley. Gideon is on top of that hill, looking down. There's a spring actually on the other side of the mount of this uh, this hill. Um, so they're they're looking down and they're seeing the Midianite army sitting right there. So the Lord then says to Gideon, um, as he's looking at his his army, the Lord says, Gideon, hey, you got too many warriors with you. If I let you fight the Midianites, get this, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves. Sounds pretty human, doesn't it? They saved themselves, how? By their own strength. You see, that's one of the reasons God allows weakness in your life. 
We know one reason the tragedies happen to you, as, as we've read before in here, before, uh, in here is one of the reasons tragedy is, is allowed is so that you can minister to others. I've been through that, man. I've, I know what that's like to be addicted. I know what that's like to lose a child. I know what that's like to have cancer. That's one reason, so that you can step us alongside. The other reason is so that you can show glory to God as he brings you through it. So get this, Gideon says, your army's too big. Therefore, God says, tell the people, whoever's timid or afraid may leave that that mountain and you can go home. So Gideon's like, all right, there's probably 10, 15 people I know. So he goes, can you imagine this? Going and saying, okay, whoever's timid and afraid, Pack up your bags, no worries, no harm, no foul. Send your, your military check, whatever. You can go. 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 able to fight. That was almost a 70% loss. Can you imagine going to your football team, if you, you're a coach, and you had a football team, and you're like, hey, we're going to go out there and we're going to face the state champions. And I know some of you might be afraid. First of all, coach wouldn't say this. This is stupid. Uh, I know you guys, some of you would be afraid, you know, you can just go ahead and pack, no worries, you know, we'll see you. As a coach, you're not expecting anybody to leave, right? What if 70% of your football team left? That would not be a good day. So, so, ten, so only 10,000 were left. So Gideon's like, all right, 10,000, that's still not too bad. Um, but the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many. Gideon's like, what? No. Bring them down to the spring, God says, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. So, this is the, this is like, I'm going to talk to God when I I see him face to face about the test. Because the test that I would be thinking, if I'm building an army, is I want the strongest, I want the brightest, I want the people that are going to be able to charge in. But here's the test. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told them, divide them into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup cup water in their hands and lap it with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. So so if you go to the stream and you see people going like this and drinking water like this, put them in one group. If you see people actually bending down and drinking right from the stream, put them in another group. Gideon's like, it must have been the pizza. I heard it's just, this doesn't make any sense. And then think about Gideon going, okay, there's 300 over here. And in fact, that's the next verse. Only 300 of the men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees and drank the mouths of the stream. So Gideon's like, okay, 300. So 10,000 minus 300 is nine students. It's, I know it's summer, but. Thank you, 9,700. Nine, I still have 9,700 men to fight. That's not too bad. But the Lord said, take the 300, and I will rescue you and give you the victory over the Midianites. See all, send all the others home. Gideon's like, <laughs> start, I think he started laughing at this point, but he did it. So Gideon collected the provisions of ram horns and the other warriors and sent them home, and he kept 300 men with him. So Gideon now is facing an army of 135,000 men with 1% of his original fighting force. 
1% of a football team. That's like one person, right? So the median camp was camp below, and Gideon's like, I got nothing to lose. So he gets up. Gideon shouted, get up, for the Lord has given you victory over the Midianite hordes. He divided the 300 men into three groups and gave them each a ram's horn. Now picture this, a ram's horn, just, you know, like a ram horn, and a clay jar with a, a torch in it, with a flame in it, okay? Then he said to them, keep your eyes on me. When I come to the edge of the camp, do just as I do. As soon as I and those with me blow the ram's horns, blow your horns too, all around the entire camp, and then shout, for the Lord and for Gideon. It's like, what? What's, what happened to just for the Lord? Gideon's like, I'm going to get my name on the <laughs> For the Lord and Gideon. So he does that. So God and Gideon <laughs> have set the stage for this epic battle. I mean, he doesn't, Gideon doesn't really know what, what's going to happen. And if you haven't read this story, you don't know what's going to happen either. But God knows, and Gideon knows that God knows what's going to happen. So this is pretty epic. It's night, the big army, 135,000, are sleeping. Gideon and his guys kind of sneak around the whole group, and they have their horns, and they have their torches and their clay pots, and the scene is set. You ready? You want to see what happens? You ready to see, you ready to see Gandalf lead them through the, you know, <laughs> here we go. Cue epic movie music. I know, right? It was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp. Suddenly they blew their ram's horn and broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hand and the horns in their right hands, and they shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns, the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords. Those who were not killed fled away to far-off places. And Gideon returned to the village, a valiant hero, and feasted and married the love of his life, Helga. No, I don't, that's not in the Bible. But, but you see how epic? This is why you need to read the Bible. It's so cool. I, I, ah, I just, I love this story. But if you keep reading the story of Gideon, this wasn't the only battle he engaged in. He took those 300 men. He chased all these Midianites as they ran. And he had several battles. He had one battle he beat, beat 15,000 with just these 300 kind of doing the same thing. It's an amazing, amazing story. But here's, the one th- but here's the one thing that we need to know, and you need to know. There's only one thing that Gideon did, and one thing only. He trusted the Lord. It doesn't make sense. Get rid of all my warriors, break down all my offense. It doesn't make sense. But Gideon trusted the Lord in his weakness. And listen. Personally, and as a church, we have to get in the habit of trusting the Lord. 
of declaring what Zechariah declares, not by my might, not by my power, not by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, but, or, uh, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts, or what David declares in the Psalms. He says, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, but I trust in the name of the Lord our God. When you are feeling overwhelmed, when you're feeling weak, when you're feeling completely out of control, sounds a bit like fatherhood, <laughs> Declare in your prayer simply this. My strength is his strength. Say that with me. Ready? Go. My strength is his strength. In fact, we we have something for you. We have wristbands for you to remember that. So afterwards, make sure you grab one of these wristbands. We're actually handing these out at the at the, the parade as well. It says, My strength and his his is his strength. And We're handing these out for the series because we want you to remember this phrase, that your strength, you have innate strength, obviously, but the ultimate strength that you have comes from God. And when you declare that, you're inviting the power of the Holy Spirit to take control of your situation. You're inviting the person of God to act on your behalf. And this is so important. You're surrendering your resources for God to use. Now, I know that some of you are in job transition right now. I know that some of you are facing an impending decision that it just doesn't make sense in your life. Something that will affect you as, uh, in your career, let's say, uh, or it might mean a job change. It might mean moving your family. It's a major thing. I know, that also, I know also that some of you are being called to do something that you know God is calling you to do. You've checked it out with your small group. You've asked for prayer, and secretly you're asking God to release you of it right now because it seems impossible. But listen, the reason you can trust God in every situation isn't because of Gideon's story because that happened to somebody else, didn't it? That happened a long time ago. It isn't because of somebody else's story. It's because of God's story of sending Jesus for you. That's the story that applies to everybody. The reason you can trust the Lord when you're on vacation or celebrating Father's Day or when life has thrown you a curveball is because God in his ultimate strength sent his son Jesus to die for you so that you can have life, so that you can have an awesome life here or or be able to handle life here, but ultimately to be with God in heaven forever. That's excitement. That's adventure. And if God made that investment in you, why would he leave you to figure out life alone? He didn't. God is always with you. Dads, moms, kids, God is your strength, and his strength is your strength. Trust in him, even if he asks you to do things that don't make sense. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to pray.